gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice. You know what he's saying. Can't even say the Prince podcast anymore. Like, <laughs> so crazy. I'm so used to saying that. But you already know what it is. This is, let's just say it's uh, Podcast Prince. How about that? Hopefully that catches the ear of who it needs to catch. But anyway, you already know what it is. It's Prince Podcast. I said it. Michael Dean. Today I am joined by a man I met out in Minneapolis uh, this past um uh, Whenever the past celebration was, my mind escapes me. Um, but I saw him in a couple of different places. But I also really saw him. He was up on the wheels of steel, or I don't know if it's the wheels of MP3 these days. But he was the DJ at an event I went to. And I want to say it was the uh, Paisley Five and Dime uh, mm-hmm. event. That's it. Yep, meet and greet party. Uh, but anyway, I'm talking about Mr. Willie Adams. Sir, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing all right. Just another day and getting into some of this prints as we do and really wanted to shine a spotlight on what you are doing. Uh, Of course, I have to mention the Purple Playground. Am I saying it right? Yes, Purple Playground, baby. Purple Playground and what you guys got going on over there. I see. Let me me set up a little bit. So I saw some pictures on Facebook, I believe, or it could have been Twitter as well. And it was like, uh, I think it was Dr. Fink or Bobby Z. And it was in the studio. And my first thought was, uh, oh, they're working on some new stuff. What's going on? They were rehearsing. And then I seen a couple other people in the picture that I kind of know. And I was like, oh, okay. They got cats in there. You know what I'm saying? You know, watching and and being able to hang out. I was like, that's cool. And then I started to see there was these uh, young kids was doing stuff and I seen a video with you and some kids and like it was in a classroom and it was doing like housequake and I was like what is this and I was like this is so dope so little did I my ignorant ass didn't know at the time what was going on but but I do now and, and I, you know this is a part of uh, the Academy of Prince and man I really want to you know, have you talk about this whole thing, man, and let people know, uh, because this is amazing. You know, it's always, we always talk about Prince's legacy and, you know, getting his music out there to younger generation. And, and, and yeah, we all love him. We got all this stuff, but what about, what about the kids, man? So, <laughs> uh, this is a great thing that you have here and I'm going to run my mouth. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen, before I even let you talk, let me give a little bit of background of Mr. Adams, because this brother's accomplished, man, and we need we need good brothers like you, man. You know, so I want to <laughs> I want to salute you. I'm, I'm having a good time. Want to salute you. So let me read a little bit here. Um, so Willie Adams, and let me, you know, it's a brother. His name is Willie. You know me too. <laughs> I ain't meant to me. Uh, non people of color call Willie. That's a very old school name, but I love it. Willie Adams is a seasoned and dedicated teacher and mentor with an undying passion for quality and education. Now, listen to this. He has received a Bachelor of Arts degree in film and media studies from the University of California, uh, Irvine. In 19... Irvine. Irvine, excuse me. I, can't, I didn't get a degree, so there you go. In 1996, that was in 1996, and his Master's of Arts in Multicultural literature for children and young adults from the university of san francisco in 2008 he has taught history and humanities 
in public and private schools. He's funded and worked for a variety of social justice and art-based programs for undeserved, underserved youth throughout the country and internationally. Woo. In addition to his work in education, Willie has been a diehard Prince fan since the age of eight and a professional DJ since 13. What? We got to get into that. In the 1990s, uh, he was a hip-hop music director and on-air personality at KUCI 89.9 FM. I don't know if that's how they say that, but Irvine, California. And that was from 1991 to 96. He's also been DJing Prince parties in L.A. and Orange County in 1983, excuse me, 93, and has DJed Prince parties in the U.S., England, and Australia. So this brother's international. All right. Is currently a vocalist and DJ in the Prince tribute band, The Purple Ones. I did not know that. Man. Uh, and is an active board member of Purple Under, excuse me, Purple Playground. I'm about to say Purple Underground. It's a whole other situation. Uh, a Purple Playground, a nonprofit established after Prince's death to carry on his legacy of music education for youth. The Academy of Prince was. Purple Playground's inaugural one-week summer program where 12 kids learned Prince history and wrote and recorded original songs and had members of who? The Revolution and The Time play on their recordings. At this point, Willie already drops the mic before he spoke. But man, <laughs> very impressive, man. Um, just to get into this first, talk to us about the Academy of Prince and how that came to be. Okay. Um, yeah, so the Academy of Prince came together when uh, myself and Heidi Vader, I can't even um, begin to, to talk about any of this without talking about and shouting out Heidi, my sister. Um, it was really um, after Prince's death, I went to Minneapolis. I think this was in September. Uh, the Revolution did a series of shows at uh, First Ave and Questlove was DJing. This was in September, I, th- I want to say 2004. 1415 and uh, met Heidi and um, we were just chatting and she wanted to start a nonprofit to basically just to raise funds to give to music programs. And I was like, wait, hold up. It's like, we should just start our own program. Like, mm. um, and maybe that's just me being from the Bay. That's just kind of the Bay spirit. Man. Okay. It's like town business, you know, we, just, <laughs> we, we, you know what I mean? It goes back to, you know, too short, too short selling it. Yeah. out the truck. Yep. You know, we just we just make it happen. We don't really like if we want to do something, we just we just do it. So I just kind of brought that energy and spirit to Heidi and and um into the Purple Playground uh, board, and they wanted to follow through with it. So it was a lot of work. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy um, to really launch this thing and to actually get to the point where you saw the videos. It was a lot of work. Um, but again, uh, it was really Heidi and myself and uh, Karen. Uh, on the board, really working really hard and uh, making it happen. How, how did you guys? Uh, so, I, 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 for some reason in my mind, I'm thinking that you live in Minneapolis, but you you live in uh, in the Bay Area, or where do you stay at? Yeah, I, I live in the Bay Area, man. Okay, uh, just right outside of Oakland. I'm a Bay Area native, born and raised. That's what's up. Um, so, right. uh, and you know, in the Prince world, there's a huge Bay Area Minneapolis yes, connection. Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, all of his idols, you know, basically are from here. Santana, Sly Stone, Larry mm-hmm. Graham. 
that's all Oakland, right? And he recorded his first album here. So right. there's a really strong kindred connection between Minneapolis and the Bay Area. So it, it was really a natural fit for me to partner with somebody like Heidi. You know what I mean? So Okay. How did, um, what was the process then of like getting the, is it like a curriculum? I, I, yeah, I've struggled to say some of these words. Um, and, and then also, how did you guys, you know, find or pick the, uh, the, the, the young people to be a part of this? Let's see this. Yeah. So again, you know, based on my background, uh, I've, you know, done summer programs before for kids. Um, so it was really sort of easy for me to do this because of my love for Prince to just sort of take what I had already done and just filter it through that lens. So I created and wrote the curriculum. Um, I really wanted the kids to have a background on not only Prince the person, but you know, the Minneapolis sound. So we brought in guest speakers, um, and writers and historians from Minneapolis. John Bream came in, uh, Andrea Swinson came in, um, in addition to, you know, Bobby Z and, and Matt Fink and Jelly Bean to just really tell the story of, you know, the Minneapolis sound. That was super important to me, um, that we not just sort of glamorize Prince as this sort of this alien, but he actually came from something. And, he was, and, in his, and his life was very similar to theirs. He was a regular person, you know. So, um, so I created the curriculum, you know, to, to sort of do that. Wow. Okay. And then you know, the other part was, how did you guys find uh, the kids uh, to come in and learn this program? That was interesting. Um, we um, sort of sent the, the word out in April at the celebration, just a call asking kids to apply um, to just fill out. It was a very simple application process, and then you sent us a short video of yourself either singing or doing whatever it is that you do. And we thought we would get like thousands of applications, but we really didn't. We didn't get a whole lot at first. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Prince is a little bit removed from this generation. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think um, unless you're a real music head and you're 12, 13 years old, you may not even, it might not even be on your radar screen. Right. So we didn't get a whole lot of applications at first, but, um, they just started trickling in around June, and by the time June hit, we had 12 solid kids who wanted to do the program who were ready to, to rock and roll. And um, I think when you're doing any program, you want to make sure you get the right students. Like, you don't ever want to force kids to try to do something just if they're not really into it. So mm. we, had, we, got the, we got the right kids. I mean, they were fired up. They really wanted to learn, and uh, it was awesome. Interesting. So now were these, I imagine, were they parents Prince fans or like, how did they know to hear about this? <laughs> I'm just curious. Right. Yeah. So most of the parents, yeah, were diehard Prince fans. Okay. Uh, and they just wanted their kids, just like I would want my son too, um, to be exposed to um, his music and his legacy and to have the opportunity to, to write and record their own music. So yeah, a lot of the parents were, were definitely fans, which was awesome, actually. Oh, tight, tight. That's... And super supportive. We had we had one parent made snacks every day. It was nice, awesome. You know? Nice, yeah. nice. It was the... really a communal family thing. Okay, and the other question is, uh, did did this cost something for the your parents, or did you have to pay, or this? How, how did how this work? Um, so no, it was actually uh, we the, the students did not have to pay for anything. Uh, we nice. we did a fundraising campaign again that really started in in April and the community really stepped up and made this happen. So this is really for everybody. And the reason why I'm even doing the podcast is it's not really about me. 
um, it's more I want the folks who actually donated and gave money to really hear the story and to understand that what they did was super impactful and transformative for these kids. And, um, and so, I w- again, I got to shout out everybody who, even if you gave $5, $2, it all helped, and it all made it possible for us to, to do this. And so this is incredible, and, and I don't know why I didn't know much about this before it happened, but so you guys created basically a school, you know, it was a one-week sort of course, but hands-on with, you know, the revolution, members of the revolution, and the time to come in and to educate these kids about Prentice music. Uh, my understanding is they actually created a song or songs, right? Yeah. So um, again, that was Heidi. Heidi, being a you know a, really a legend in Minneapolis in the music scene, having uh, you know been in it since the eighties. Um, she's connected to to Bobby Z and, and Matt Finch. She knows them personally. So, and Jelly Bean Johnson, they're good friends. So when we got organized and I had the curriculum ready and we were really ready to rock and roll and she asked them to participate, I got to thank them. They, they wholeheartedly gave their time and their talent for these kids. And it was, it was really a beautiful thing. So. Wow. What, now what um, studio was that where you guys were recording? All that stuff. Okay, so this is this, this is actually very important too. We got to shout out TC Ellis because I don't yeah. know if the listeners know, but he should actually be on, on your on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. To interview this guy. <laughs> That's true. He um, after Graffiti Bridge, um, he started. Um, he got into the education world and started a school in St. Paul called the um, High School for the Recording Arts. And it's a beautiful facility in St. Paul um, where kids and homeless kids can come to not only learn and get, you know, digital arts and music uh, recording training, but they can get their GED. And he helps them oh, wow. with, uh, with housing. It's really an amazing thing that he's doing for the community. So we presented the idea to TC in the High School of Recording Arts, and he donated, well, not donated, but he uh, gifted us the space to be able to to work there. So big shout out to T.C. Ellis. Wow, amazing, amazing. See, this is the thing I love. When you hear about, you know, real people doing stuff, it's so easy for us sometimes as fans. Uh, somebody you say, oh, yeah, with T.C. Ellis. Oh, you mean T.C. Ellis that was in Graffiti Bridge? Oh, man, he ain't... Listen, <laughs> T.C. <laughs> uh, first of all, T.C. Ellis will beat your ass. But second of all, T.C. Ellis... <laughs> That's so dope that he actually is doing educational work and is actually helping these children, man, and, and pushing it forward. And for him to be able to have resources to make available to you guys is awesome. And the other thing, too, man, is I was going to ask you, you guys did all of this, you know, Purple Playground. Shout out to Heidi and everybody involved. Uh, did you have to, I mean, this was you guys doing this. This wasn't like, oh, we had to go to Paisley Park or the estate and get them. It was just basically fans coming together. Am I right? Yeah, this was strictly grassroots. We did not, um, and it wasn't anything malicious, but we didn't get any support or anything from, from Paisley Park or the estate. Um, they did ask us to actually, um, make some modifications, uh, out of respect for, um, sure. for, um, for, for certain things. But, um, 
No, this was all grassroots. This is the community coming together. This is the people coming together to make this happen for these kids. Um, and I'm glad you said that. And I didn't. And I didn't mean to to, to throw shade at the state. I was just wanted to make the point. Oh, no. Yeah, I just wanted to make the point that you don't have to wait. Like we can do stuff. You know, the fans. Yeah, we can go online and argue about this and that and the third. But we can actually, if we want to, put boots on the ground really get something popping off. And in this case, you guys got something that was one teaching younger kids about Prince, the music, and y'all didn't have to wait. Like y'all, I just think that's so dope that y'all came together and just made it happen, man. And like it impacted on these kids to maybe one of them may want to actually, you know what? I want to do music or I want to learn about this. Or maybe they just like learned the work ethic of what it takes to do this stuff. Maybe they, you know, they're into whoever they're into musically, but then to actually see it for themselves and go in the studio. I don't know if this was their first time going to the studio or, or what, but I imagine. I mean, what was what did you think uh, the kids walked away with out of this? You know, that's the thing about edge. Well, first of all, I want to say um, Purple Playground has nothing but respect for the estate. Um, and I would say if you want to do something, you need to respect their rules and parameters. You don't necessarily have to like them or agree with them, but um, the state has a responsibility to hold up the legacy as well. So if you want to do something, you know, just make sure it's legit, like we, what we did. Um, but um, in terms of the impact it's going to have on the kids, as a teacher, you kind of never really know. I mean, as teachers, we plant seeds, and you just hope that they, they grow and blossom. I, I saw kids transform over the, over the couple of days. Because in reality, uh, Michael and everybody, we all love learning. I mean, that's, that's just intrinsic. When we're kids, we love to learn new stuff. It's, you're taught that school is boring or school is a task. But when you present learning as fun and something active, um, kids will, will take to it like, like a fish to water and, 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 just get, and just go beyond your expectations, and that's what happens. So... Um, like I said, we had 12 kids. What we did was we divided them into four groups of three. So they had to collaborate and work together to come up with songs. Mm. And at the end of the week, we have, we have four original songs that these kids wrote, uh, all inspired by the learning that they received um, that week. Oh. And that's what it's about. Okay. What was the, uh, give me the, the story on, you know, that footage when they was doing Housequake. What, what was that about? What... <laughs> <laughs> so that's me, you know, like every day we start, you got to get up and move. You know, we always talked about the funk and I, and, and I start every day out like, where's the funk? Uh, where's the funk? Uh, and then the kids just, we just get a rhythm going. And uh, that always brings us back together. And so every day we would start off with the housequake dance. I would play housequake, and that's how we got our blood moving, and we got we 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 got the funk in us. So wow. um, you saw some footage of that. We also taught I also taught them the bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, they, they had never seen they had never seen it before. They had never heard wow. the song before. So wow. that was awesome, just being around little kids and exposing them to stuff for the first time, and seeing them just bug out on how cool it is, right? So. Um, what so were, yeah, that's what that was. Did, did any of the kids, I'm just curious, did they ask any questions about Prince that you remember? What, like, what do you mean? Like, um, like any like weird questions? Well, or? I mean, just like, you know, if I was a kid, probably, I mean, when I was a kid and I first saw Prince, I was so shocked of, like, the visual uh, of Prince, you know, like, it just was not, I had never seen anything like that before, and I don't know how that plays today, but 
did they ask like how many instruments did he play or did they ask what happened to him or you know what I mean or just anything in general yeah yeah there, there were definitely questions like that um but again the guest speakers like so we had John Bream come in and he had you know he actually was the person who did the very first interview with Prince and followed his career mm-hmm. you know from the beginning literally to the end and he did a good job of humanizing Prince and saying you know that you know he was weird, but he was really ambitious and wanting to be successful. So, um, oh, one of the questions that the kids asked was they were really um, interested in Under the Cherry Moon. And we only had one week, so we obviously could, couldn't get to everything. But they were like, he did a French movie, and it was black and white. And I was like, so the teacher of me so wanted to just go into a whole lesson, but we didn't have time. So they were just fascinated that, you know, just the diversity of, his music and his career that we just obviously couldn't cover everything in, in one week. But that's a beautiful thing. We always want to keep them guessing. We always want to keep them asking questions. We have a little edit there. We got Big Sexy has joined us. Sir, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. I had to do some uh, honeydews around the house this morning, so I apologize. <laughs> oh, uh, that sounds kind of funny there, but I'm going to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to say hi, hi to Mr. Adams, and I do uh, definitely respect what you're doing, man. I respect your 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 um, pedigree as well. I mean, I, I'm all about education, and this guy's doing the work. Yeah, thank just, you. Uh, for sure, for sure. And just to, to shift a little bit, I mean, um, you now this is what I always love. Like, yes, DJ. You said you was a DJ since thirteen. I know that yeah. you got to be a hip hop head. Then, well, how oh, yeah. does it, it, so? I want to go into that, but also, man, like, yeah. When did you decide? You know what? Let me get in these books and let me go to school and do all this and that. So, take me first. Take me back to thirteen. How did you become a DJ at thirteen? <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, I just, I've all, again, like everybody, I always loved music. Um, you know, I'm a seventies baby raised in the eighties. So, um, you know, as a child, earth, wind and fire, you know, Harold Melvin in the blue notes, Marvin Gaye, uh, fell in love with soul music. And so, um, that's just always been, you know, just part of the, the musical DNA. I heard Prince at eight. I have two older sisters. So who were like 13, 14. So I want to be a lover came on the radio, man. I remember like it was yesterday. Mama, turn up the radio. Here's from that guitar lick. Think, think, think. The backseat just turned into a party. And I'm like, what is this, man? Me and my sisters are just jamming. And I just remembered that song. I didn't know it was Prince at the time. I just remembered that song. I remember that feeling. And so um, when I heard it again, I just was, was sort of hooked. Um, so it was really through my older sisters that I got into Prince. Controversy, I'm listening to Controversy at 9, 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? So um, <laughs> at, 13, 
at 13, um, that's when um, Run DMC came out with Peter Piper. Mm. And that's when I fell in love with Jam Master J. And I was like, I want to be a DJ. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what I want to do. Like, I fell in love with that. Like, everybody else wanted to rap. But I was like, I want to be a DJ. Like, that's what it is. Well, and, the, the um, DJ was the quick, shit back then. It was That was the main thing, right? I mean, the DJ was just as big, if not bigger, than the rappers to some degree. The, the, exactly. But it was just something really about Jam Master J and the way he could command the records and mm. cut and scratch that just really just blew, blew me away. Um, but when I was 13, to get back how I got to be a DJ, when I was 13, here in the Bay Area, there was a, a, a local DJ legend, and he passed away recently. His name was Cameron Paul. He did this 15-minute Prince mix where he took, again, this is 85, so he, he, he only had, you know, from For You to Purple Rain, uh, Around the World in the Day hadn't even come out. And he did a 15-minute mix, a Prince mix. And, uh, you know, I stayed up all night and recorded it, and I used to just listen to that thing, like, till the tape broke. You know what I mean? It's just, it just fascinated me. And me being creative, we only had one turntable and a, and a tape recorder. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm going to figure out how Cameron Paul did this. <laughs> so I started buying all the Prince records, and I tried to recreate his mix by taping four bars of I Want to Be a Lover, hit pause, <laughs> so on, less work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm DJing on the tape deck. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to be Cameron Paul. And, um, again, the passion never died. And I, as I got older, I eventually got my own equipment. And, and that's, where it all, that's where it all started. So uh, just to give the listeners, some of the younger listeners, because you said something that might go over their heads a little bit. You said, I had to stay up all night, record <laughs> it. He's talking about record it off the radio. with no internet back then, the computers. And you would record stuff off the radio, and then you that's how you got your jams, really. And you play that tape over and over. You'd probably dub it, get you one of them double cassette tape things on the boom. Exactly. <laughs> and dub it over and put some other songs. <laughs> yeah, man. Exactly. That was it, man. Uh, but it was started off with tape, and, you know, again, one, one turntable and a, and a cassette player, and just an imagination. You know what I mean, and the love yeah. for music—that's that's where it started for me. Now, were you so, any? Were you in any uh, groups back then, in terms of like I don't know, rap groups, a hip hop thing, or something like that? Uh, not really back then. Um, okay. In high school, I started DJing like all the football and basketball games. Okay. Um, and that's where I really learned how to really cut and scratch. We had a, a really, uh, a really well-known uh, stage crew back when I was in high school, um, and. Uh, so I, I joined that, and that's where I really learned the, the uh, you know, the mechanics of it, and really how to rock a party and like what songs work. Um, but also too, I went to high school. I went to the same high school with MC Hammer. Oh, so really? when I was a freshman, Hammer, yeah, Hammer was just coming out with Ring 'Em and Yeah, uh, Let's Get It Started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So when when Hammer really blew with Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, if you know anything about that album. He has like 10 print samples yeah, on that yeah. album. He's yeah. got With Doves Cry, Soft and Wet. He's all over the place. That's so what's up. I the real brothers. The connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made the connection. Like Hammer was a, was a, was a head. So. Okay. I, that's so funny. Uh, there was like a brief, brief moment in time. This is around the same time <laughs> when he came to Seattle. We was almost gonna mm -hmm. try and hook up with them and see if we could get get put on or something. So I always shout out Hammer; he's dope. 
So, and then also at the same time, I mean, you in the Bay Area, I mean, you have like Too Short popping off, you know, E-40 and, and all that stuff. What was that like to be in that area when all that stuff was going down? I mean, it, it was crazy. It was like having, you know, local legends become superheroes, like literally right in front of your eyes. Like mm-hmm. one minute I'm seeing MC Hammer dancing in my high school gym and three months later he's on MTV. You know what I mean? It just made... And same thing with Too Short. It just made you feel, as a youngster, like, I could do anything. Like, I could be successful. Mm. Like, I could do this. They were just super inspirational. Uh, not to mention that their music was off the hook. Right. But I also got to bring it back to Prince, man. Like, you got to realize, after the revolution broke up, he came to the Bay to get his band. Right. So Sheila, Levi, Miko, Bonnie Boyer, mm-hmm. you know, these are all Bay folks. So... I was really proud then. Like, when Sign of the Times came out, I was super proud. I was like, those are my folks up there, nice. rocking with the God. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> there was just a lot of Bay love. It was a lot of Bay love, man, back then, in rap and in the Prince world, too. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible uh, that he did that, and all of you guys was pretty much ready. I mean, like you said, Bay is a music town. A lot of people forget, you know, like, obviously, Rafael Sadiq and Tony 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 is coming out of there, among other things. But y'all was ready. It, it, was there like a thing where like everybody knew like you did something like, oh, you rap or you, you're a musician or something? <laughs> yeah, it was like that, man. It's like you had to. Either you had to play basketball, rap, dance. DJ. You had to do something. You know what I mean? So um, I, I was a dancer for a long time, too. So I used to oh, really? Okay, so yeah, you didn't want to talk about Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. Now, now. Oh, yeah. We used to get it in with the dancers. Don't get it tangled up, man. I used to get it in. I love that because we almost sometimes we forget dance was such a big and important part of the culture. I don't know what you're talking about, hip-hop or R&B or whatever. Dance, the dancers was just as important. The dances were just as important, right? And I know, I remember... Back then, it didn't. You didn't seem soft if you was dancing. Like, if you wasn't dancing, no. something was wrong with you. Like, well, why come you ain't getting down, man? Like, so, no, I, I exactly. Exactly, man. Dance was huge, obviously. Um, and um, again, to bring it back to P, you know, I think P was off like a little bit because he brought the dancing into his show with you know. Tony M and the Game Boys in like 1991. But we were already had been doing them dances in 88, 89. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so it took them a while. You know what I mean? So. Well, um, you know, I think that might be the case of, you know, again, Prince was always so ahead of things for a very long time. And to you, I think he just kind of got to a point where he's like on that superstar and you somewhat removed from mm-hmm. you know i'm not saying the street but you just kind of removed from what's popping in the cl- the real clubs you know instead of those the, the bougie <laughs> clubs so you probably wow. exactly well, I'm just being, <laughs> so you don't see a lot of them dances you kind of see them late you know what i'm saying by the time right. we already and you again remember the culture is moving 100 miles an hour so there's the new dances and da 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 so i can i understand what you're saying by that and that's not a diss at all that's just no like, not a, you know. not a, um but in terms of this being in the Bay and all of this, like, uh, what Prince concerts were you able to experience during this time? 
So I was actually able, the first Prince concert that I got to see um, personally was Love Sexy, 88. That was okay. my first show. November 11th, 1988, Oakland Coliseum. Um, that was my very, very first Prince show. And you got to realize that was Prince's sort of homecoming because prior to that, Prince hadn't performed in the Bay Area or even in the United States, really, since Purple Rain Tour. So that was a bit, he had, you know, he did um, the parade tour and Sign of the Times. That was all in Europe. We didn't see any of that. Right. So for him to come back in 88 and come back to Oakland, that was huge. That was huge. So um, I got to experience that show. Um, and then like in the nineties with the emancipation, uh, tour, he did a couple shows there. I got to see some after shows. Um, I got to see some really incredible stuff with P here in the Bay area. I got to see him perform with Larry Graham and Cynthia, um, from flying the family stone. Um, man, just, just, just some really incredible stuff I've I've been able to experience because he loved the bass so much that, um, that he would always, you know, come here and play. Okay. Um, and also, when I, oh, go ahead, sorry. Now I was going to say, when I was in Irvine, I, I got I to gotta let folks know this, because they don't know this about the history. Um, in the 90s, Prince owned Glam, Glam Flam. You know, he had a bunch of them all over the country, but he had one in L.A. And when I was the rap music director, Prince would let um, artists like the Tribe Called Quest, Wu-Tang Clan, the alcohol, like all far side, he would let them perform and have their record release parties at Glam Slam. None of the other clubs would really let hip hop acts perform. He mm. would open the doors. So um, he's a huge, <laughs> you know, he understood the value of it, even if he didn't get it. He knew that something culturally was happening and he gave artists an opportunity in a space to perform. So at his club. So, all right. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, too, about, because uh, I know the Bay Area, uh, they really get it in in terms of putting on some great Prince parties uh, that they mm-hmm. have in those areas. I mean, I even went to, I think about it now, I went to a couple of those back in the 90s, actually, late 90s, you know, the Bay Area parties. Have you ever been to any of those? And, you know, shout out to people like uh, uh, Gigi, uh, it's your boy Alfonso. He's out there, too, right? Alfonso, sorry, yeah. 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 Um, and then before even them, there was a group called the Dream Factory. Okay. Um, yep. In the early night uh, with Bobby Thomas and uh, and Earl D. They were my, I used to look up to those guys too. But there's always been a party scene here in the in the Bay Area. I would say it goes back to the early 90s. Um, um, we would just get together, man, and just play all prints all night long. And sometimes it would be at someone's house and it would be, sort of discreet and sometimes we would get nightclubs but that's that's been jumping off in the bay area yeah since the early 90s um straight up strictly prince parties wow Um, all right um listen oh so and and then i wanted to ask you too for yourself man in terms of like you know doing these things here how does that how do you transition or what makes you say you know what i want to get into education like i want to get to one i'm let me go get my degree game going but also like you know to be a teacher, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. what, what, what pushes you into that uh, realm? Yeah, I think honestly, like teaching, just like being a musician, it's, um, it's not, it's something you do, but it's who you are. It's like Prince was a musician. Like that's what he was. That's who he was. 
and I'm a teacher. That's just what I do. That's intrinsically who I am, whether I'm professional and I have a degree or if I was somebody, you know, wrapping the kids on the corner, giving them, gaming them up. <laughs> I'm an educator. <laughs> that's, that's just what, what I do. That's, that's my responsibility to the community. Mm. So um, um, it was real easy for me to stay focused and go through college and get my master's degree and get all that stuff because this, this feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow. Okay. So the beautiful thing with Purple Playground, though, is now I just feel like at this point in my life, now the stars have lined up. My passion for music and DJing, my passion for education and upholding Prince's legacy have all sort of come together with Purple Playground and the Academy. And I'm able to just like really, really do me like fully. Mm. So uh, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And I'm thank you so much, Michael. You don't realize how important this podcast is, this forum is. Because, um, you know, 50 years from now, I predict that students who want to learn about Prince, they're going to have to go and listen back to me talking about this and all the people you've interviewed. You know what I mean? That's going to be this guy's how they're going to learn. So what you're doing is extremely important, too, in terms of preserving the legacy. So um, I got to shout you out. Well, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, I got to shout you out. The same thing with you, man. It's just like, you know, your passion for this and wanting to sh shine a light on things. And so it all comes together. Um, I was going to so in terms of, you know, this sort of educational uh, methods that you guys are doing, I'd imagine there are more things coming down the pike uh, for more opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely do the program again next summer. We're actually in the process right now of getting everything organized. Um, I want to be able to offer it. Um, I want more students to have the opportunity to experience it. So we'll open up. We'll try to open up the enrollment a little bit earlier. And really the goal, Michael, is for me, this is my life's work. I would love to move around the country and, uh, and, and offer this opportunity to as many kids as possible and the world, too. I mean, Prince affected people all over the world. He was an ambassador. Yes. So uh, I would love to go back to Australia and, and teach the kids the academy down there. You know, go back to England and take it, take it all over. Because um, we, again, our job as teachers are to plant seeds. Mm. And, uh, and I believe the next Prince will probably come from the academy or will be exposed from that. So okay. what, what, in that uh, spirit, it's work. For sure. Hey, listen. Y'all doing the work. That, that, that song's, you're doing everything that song talked about. I'm just curious, what, what had got you, how did you get to uh, Australia? You said you had, you've been, you're DJing, you say you were DJing in Australia? Yeah, so um, I've just been lucky, again, to um, through P and through my connections and meeting fans to, to travel and, and get to play. So um, in 2013, I went down to Australia. I hooked up with um, a cat out there, a big prince head named Adam. And he has a band called Lake Minnetonka. And, <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah these, these Australian cats, man, funky as heck. And uh, went down there and, and linked up with them and did a party out there. And, um, wow. and that was in 2013. I actually lived in England in 90, after I graduated college, I lived in England, 96, 97. That's when Emancipation came out. Oh, man. And, um, man, real quick story. Um, I, uh, I had a voice agent because I did radio. Um, I had a voice agent, and uh, I used to do radio commercials in the UK. Wow. Uh, whenever they needed a black American accent, they called Willie. <laughs> <You know what laughs> <I'm saying? laughs> so, call Willie. 
Oh, <laughs> Willie, baby. We're selling Saints off. Now that name oh, came Willie. in. That, well, that name worked. Right? <laughs> I'm just missing. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, I met this cat. His name was John Sack. And he was a producer. And he heard me. And he was like, oh, man, I can, t- I can get you work or whatever. And I'm, he called me. He said, come down to the office. I go down to the office. The very first assignment I get, Prince. Emancipation album release. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's the very first commercial I do is for, for Pete. So, um, Amazing. in England, man. So I was the voice for all the adverts, man, for um, Emancipation in 96, all over Europe, all over the UK. Wow, so, man. Well, it I... was the UK, but it ain't the UK no more. But um, I yeah, tip man. my hat to you, man. You're making things happen, man. You're doing things. It's, it's good to hear. You hear other people and just their stories, and I'm like listening to you. I'm like, man, this brother is pushing forward. Whatever he's doing, you know what I'm saying? There's no boundaries to it. You're out there moving. We ain't even talked about it. We no, I ain't forgot. We ain't even got into the purple ones yet. But uh, man, so many, yeah. so many hats. So to, talk to me. You got the tribute band. What, what, what's what's the status on that? Yeah. So the. Uh the Purple Ones is a, is a Bay Area. There's a lot of uh, tribute bands, obviously, all over the country. But in the Bay Area, there's a couple. And uh, one of the most prominent ones is the Purple Ones. Uh, they've been around for about six years. Levi Caesar is the musical director. Oh, really? And okay. Yeah, yeah. He's the guitarist and musical director. I'm going to be so, talking um, to Levi next big... week, so I'm going to ask him about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely ask him. We, we just did a gig last night, actually. Um, right. So, um yeah, I've been working with them about two years, um, and it's a 12-piece band. So you got four horns. Wow. They just really do an awesome job of interpreting the music. And so um, there are usually two or three vocalists, so I rotate um, amongst the vocalists. Uh, myself, uh, Pam Fields, and Derek Clark is now singing with the group, and um, I also DJ with the group, too, so I'll like do warm-up sets or... Um, do scratching and background vocals during the um, during wow. the performances, and you know, just, just just getting down that way. Again, I just love music, and I love <laughs> Honor Pete. So, you know what I mean. Uh, however, I got to get down. That's how I get down. I love it. And then, you know, with all of that we've talked about so far, your number one job you still you, you're doing all these things, but you still have so, another such an important job is the fact that you are a father, right? Like, I just blows my mind that it's so active but you still you know have that responsibility of being a dad and, and doing that whole thing i mean tell, how do you juggle all these things and being a parent <laughs> right you just do the best you can man again i learned i learned from from my from my hero man from pete from pete um if you are focused and if you're passionate about what you do you'll find the energy you'll find a way to make it happen or you'll find excuses not to. Wow. And so um, whenever I get frustrated or think I can't do it, or I just dream big, and I just try to follow my dreams just like him. So P is my idol, man. He, he was the God. He was the ancestor. So now he's the ancestor. So mm. whenever I feel like I can't accomplish something, I can look back at his career, and I find inspiration. And um, you just do the best you can with what, what you can do. So, But right now my focus is really Purple Playground. The Academy of Prince. I really want to grow that. Um, there are some great DJs and vocalists who can carry on the legacy in that manner. But as an educator, I have to use my expertise, and we got to mm. use our gift to uphold the legacy in the best way. So um, my focus awesome. now is working with, continuing to work with Heidi, 
We're going to grow Purple Playground. We're going to grow the Academy of Prince. You're going to be hearing a lot about it um, in the coming years. Like, that's going to be um, – in my, my goal, my dream is that for, for Purple Playground and the Academy of Prince to be the premier spot where kids learn about, learn about our man. I love it. I love it, man. Shout out again. Shout out to Heidi. Real good people. A uh, chance to meet her last year. Uh, real, real cool, man. Real cool, down to earth. Um, awesome, man. You left us with some good stuff. Now I want to change things up a little bit. As we have started, as we've been recording this this past uh, couple uh-huh. of days, there's been some new stuff that then hit the purple streets yeah. out here. And what I'm talking about is, I want to say up to 23 uh, Prince albums that were a, a little hard to find. But now, through the deal with Sony Legacy, these albums are available on pretty much all of the streaming platforms. Uh, and then they also released a uh, compilation that they call Anthology that sort of pulls yeah. songs from all of these releases. So I wanted to get you and Big Sexy, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this, uh, you know, these new releases uh, out there. And I want to start with our guest, Mr. Adams, what do you think about the release of these new albums? Um, man, I want to hear Big Sexy, man. I feel like I've been talking a lot, but uh, I want to hear what Big Sexy had to say. But um, um, I think it's a great thing, honestly. Um, again, there are some people, there's some fans who are like, if you just became a fan after 421, I think that that's fine. Like, if you don't know that music, then here's an opportunity for you to really dive deep into the legacy and really understand the depth of this man's music. Like, so I think it's a beautiful thing that these, these songs have been released and, um, it's so much music. It's going to take you a while to digest it. Mm -hmm. So I hope people don't see it and get overwhelmed. That's my only thing is like you get overwhelmed and you just stick with the same 10 songs that you like over and over again. I hope people really understand that this is an opportunity for you to really see why the cat was so amazing. So um, I, I definitely think the release of the anthology is awesome, especially, um, you know, albums like the N.E.W.S. album, the, the, the jazz album that, mm-hmm. you know, is incredible. But again, when it came out, nobody was really checking for that. Nobody was really feeling that. Um, a lot of these albums, because I'm going to keep it 100. <laughs> in, the, in, in the 90s, man, you got Cats now. The, the, I remember when the Gold Experience came out, Cats was hating that now are praising it. You know Hilarious. what I mean? Or You talk about the song so, now, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's sort of my take on it. I think it's a beautiful thing. All right. Big sexy, sir. Well, you know, it's like uh like Willie said, a lot of these things haven't been widely available uh until now. And a lot of them, you know, did catch a little bit of uh shade for being different than Purple Rain or Little Red Corvette. I think it's great because when you look at the sampling of all the albums, you get live stuff, you get jazz stuff, you get NPG Music Club stuff, you get you know stuff that was released in the papers like 2010, which was woefully under-promoted. You know, so it's good. And you get the Gold Experience, which is a story by itself. You know, because that yeah. was the album that was right in the, the midst of the whole beef with him and Warners. So you get it all, and I think it's great. Now, 
the crystal ball, if that's the five CD crystal ball set, you know, you're in for a treat with that too. There's, there's so much to digest. And when, for people <clears throat> new to this and they jump in now, generally I do not like streaming services, but for something like this, with such a volume, they can sit down and think, well, let me just jump in and listen to this, listen to that, listen to this and get a, a little more clarity about the work because, you know, again, I'm looking at the list now. Rainbow Children's on it. That album is mm-hmm. brilliant, you know, because I ha- I've listened to that several times, and every time I hear it, I hear something new, and mm-hmm. that's what makes an album really stand out. So this is great. Now the collection of the anthology, it's done. It's a good cross sampling, but it's not in chronological order. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you going to do? It, right. It's, I'm glad it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, it, and Michael, you made a good point on Facebook um, about the most beautiful girl in the world, how that is, like, mysteriously sort of absent from this anthology. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts and opinions are on that. Well, yeah, I was saying it's not listed on the Gold Experience album uh, as it should be, Right. But uh, yeah, after doing right. some digging and seeing some other people talk about it, apparently there is a there was a plagiarism case out of Italy uh, involving involving Prince and that song, and Prince lost that suit, if I'm speaking correctly. And I guess a part of that was you know uh, Warner Brothers or the estate is not able to be distributing that song until they get that matter cleared up. So I think that may be the reason why we really are not seeing that on this release um you know which is and it's unfortunate but uh because that's such a uh that song has a you know great history about why that song was important you know uh Mm -hmm. you know i'm saying even just the song itself but in terms of like what that does for parents business wise and what that meant for artists um but aside from that uh to me i think this is cool uh i look at this more in the terms of years from now how I can see this would be very beneficial because there are, again, a lot of new fans to Prince, young and old, who are probably going to hear the bigger hits, right? Which I have no problem with that. Those are great songs. And I think those would just be the gate, you know, I'm going to be careful with my word. It'd be the gateway thing to bring, bring them in. And then when they go to whatever streaming service they like and they see all of this stuff, they're in for a treat, you know? No matter where they start, there are going to be good songs from them to hear. And I just think, I mean, looking at these covers and it's like, you know, Prince's, you know, the visuals is just as important. And to me, I think that they all sort of grab your attention. Like you want to, what is this? You know, what's this one about? This isn't Purple Rain or this isn't, you know, this, this is something totally different. I think there's just so much to choose from. I can imagine people will just sample and pull different songs and add to their playlist and be like, oh, this is cool, you know. And I also think that there is such a, uh, you know, it's like when you bite off a little bit, there's so much more deeper for all these albums. I think like if, you know, if there's a new fan and they start getting into this and they go read about some of this stuff, they're going to be like, whoa, I didn't know this guy was, he planned ahead so much or there was this backstory that went with this that I had no idea about. So I think it's just like 
when the person does dive in, there there's such uh, there's so much for them that it's just incredible. So there's really it's like it's all you know it's it's all there musically, and they're gonna be like whoa, and then they're gonna read shit and they're gonna be oh they're gonna hear these podcasts and they be like oh that's why, you know what I mean? And then right. and then you know when they get into that somehow they're gonna hear like some unreleased shit and their head is just gonna explode because they're just like it's, <laughs> it don't make no sense. How can one person have all this right. so I, I think it's a great thing you know for us as the hardcore fans you know yeah oh yeah I got that but it's not really for us per se this is this is that legacy push forward to like we're just gonna open it out and it's gonna be important way more important later for, for newer people coming up and and that lastly I would say that anthology thing to me that is I look at it as a playlist but again if I was not a Prince fan and I just knew certain songs, and I saw this on there, and I was like, "Oh, this is like you know a compilation thing." I'm gonna listen to this because I don't know the backstory. I just know that these are songs, and I imagine they must be good because they're putting them all on one thing for me. And again, I think it'd be just that's a gateway drug to get you to want to hear the other stuff because you'll be like, "Oh, I like Black Sweat. I want to go. Where album is that from?" Oh, okay. Let me check that out. Or Emancipation. What? Oh, that's a three album set, huh? So that's how I look at it, man. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, from an educational standpoint, it's awesome. Now I think about my students. <clears throat> now they can dive deep into this music too. It's mm-hmm. um, because really the kids are the ones that really have the time to really analyze it and get deep into it. So I'm thankful for my for this for my students now. Um, and also as teachers, we have to teach, I'm realizing too, a purple playground is obviously for the kids, but um, there are a lot of adults who want knowledge and education around Prince and his right. legacy and the importance of the music. So I want to start offering courses to adults eventually as well and getting us together to, to talk and to intellectualize about, you know, the impact of this work. So mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing all the way around. Yeah, and I saw somebody else say this. Uh, I can't remember who, I'm sorry if I don't remember who said, I know they're going to tell me, but they were saying it'd be a good idea to, I think, do like a compilation that sort of had a theme around a certain style, maybe. So it's like, these would be R&B or these could be, you know, the jazz stuff or, you know what I mean? To to really show like, yeah, that each album's stand on their own, but then to be able to show like, yo, this, this is Prince all his like, you know what I'm saying, slow songs. Like, and you really can, I think that would help people really see like, yo, this dude was serious. Like he had all these styles and he would, yeah. you know, he freaked all of them. He did them his way. You know what I'm saying? I would argue you could probably say, here's like his almost gospel-y, you know, spiritual type joints. And here's, you know, the, the new wave funked out. You know what I mean? Just, so I could be yeah, the next, yeah. I could see them doing sort of things like that to sort of spotlight the different styles. And then you would just get tastes of that style. And then, okay, go dive back into the album, you know, and you get the full, mm. full scope of it. But yeah, this, this is good stuff, man. You know, I don't even get into the conversation of, well, Prince, he didn't want him. He didn't want it on. Well, we already know that. We, we know that, right. you know, but 
this we at right now and we got they have to do yeah. what they got to do you know they got to do what they got to do and i think honestly prince didn't make the music because he didn't want you to hear it you know right. he just wanted it to be right he wanted the business to be right there you go you know what i mean and, and they wasn't doing the business right so i don't think prince was like don't listen to my music he obviously made it for us to listen to and there's messages in there there's to me there's morals and life lessons in that music mm-hmm. more so than that it sounds good and it makes you feel good it stimulates thought. It gives us something to think about. It gives us ideas to ponder and ways to sort of look at the world. So it's way more important than just being entertaining and fun. Um, so okay. it's, it's, it's deep. Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of uh, great music there. I guess the next thing, I think we had talked about this on a other podcasts when we talked about the you know Sony deal and uh, you know we, we were talking you know I was, we were talking about you know CDs and I was kind of questioning how are they going to you know drop twenty CDs <laughs> of albums in the store like where do they do that and then the other conversation was about remastering things so mm-hmm. I do think that there is an opportunity though to maybe sort of pick some of these projects to do like they did Purple Rain Deluxe editions uh, mm-hmm. and I would you know. I don't know if you would agree. I would say, you know, Sign of Times would be a prime one to, uh, you know, do some sort of remaster and then maybe throw in some other stuff to go with it. Um, but having all of these albums out there is great. I, I just, now I'm like, okay, uh, do it, whatever deal they got to do to get the Paisley Park releases on streaming, let's get it. Because we need to see the Madhouse yeah. albums, Jill Jones, yeah. Family. Exactly. You know, I was just going to say, there's a whole another catalog of associated artists yeah. that, you know, that haven't even been, that well hasn't even been tapped yet. So I think this is a good start. I, I, I predict that, you know, within the next five to 10 years, all this stuff hopefully will be available. We'll have access to it. Um, again, teachers can, can use it to teach. Um, fans to use it to learn and to grow their knowledge and uh again there's just some bad bad jams on there man you were talking about the rainbow children big sexy um one of the one of the showstoppers at the parties in the bay area is one plus one plus one is three mm. you play that out here man the crowd loses it <laughs> and that's, you know that's from rainbow children and a lot of you know if you're not a mainstream if you're a mainstream fan that that song might have you might have missed that now you have an opportunity to hear it Beautiful. Yeah, the rainbow. We're gonna have another podcast. This is gonna be the Rainbow Children debate show because I'm ready. I'm oh. ready for all the smoke. <laughs> Anybody got a problem oh. with that album? Because <laughs> that album yeah. is banging. Like I love, I love everything about it. I, don't, I, I love the voice. <laughs> uh, I, I, what he's talking about. I'm with it. I, I'm I, with I like it. that. He's. I mean, to me. And I can understand why people was like, oh, Joe, what is it? But to me, it's no different than like, I like, uh, you know, Public Enemy. And I like uh, yeah. Big Daddy Kane, some of Rakim. And they be talking about religious stuff, uh, a different ideology. And we like that because they, they doing that. And like, I think that's cool. I may not always agree with every little, I don't live by a lot of it, but I respect an artist that just says, yo, I'm, this is what we on right now. And boom, there yeah. it is. You know what I'm saying? So to me, Prince just did the same thing. He, yo, I'm on this JW stuff. I'm on this Egyptian shit. I'm on some Martin Luther King. We need to get our family name type. I'm with all of that. <laughs> I have no I'm a, problem. I'm with, 
I'm even on my mouth. I'm gonna call out. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, man. A racist. I'm with the on my record. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We you definitely need to have me on the show when you have that debate because again, there's. I'm just gonna keep it one thousand. Um, a lot of folks don't like that album because Prince is telling the truth, and that's that's probably one of the blackest albums that he did. Yeah, man. It's black. You know what I mean? He's talking about the plight and state of black folks. And um, people like to look at Prince as an icon and multi. He was. He embraced everyone, but he was really all about his blackness from the very beginning to the very end. He died wearing an afro. That wasn't no mistake. You know what I'm saying? He was black. And that is a very black and very spiritual record. And he's saying things that just aren't popular. And when you say stuff that aren't popular... And you challenge people to think about things in a different way, you're going to get backlash. And um, that album got a lot of backlash when it came out. I don't know. I'm sure you cats remember. Like, people were not checking it. I mean, my man had discussions about it, right? It was like, he probably was like, I already know. We're going to open up the park. (laughs) I mean, that was (laughs) was the first celebration, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Like, yo. It was the second. It was the second the one. Second the second one. Okay. One, so but, uh, yeah, he probably was like, "I already know. Let's. We're gonna have discussions. <laughs> we're we gonna talk about this." Yeah. And I remember going because that was the one night alone tour. Did you see? Did any of you guys see that I show? Saw that. For, yeah. One yes, of my I favorite. Did. Children. <clears throat> oh yes. Yeah. So I don't know what it was like when you saw it where you were, but in Oakland at the Paramount Theater, a lot of the audience sat down during all the Rainbow Children yeah. songs, and then remember the second set was like kids and whatever. And they getting up, hooping and hollering and dancing. But I could tell he was making people a little uncomfortable with the presentation of that music. And to me, I was applauding it. I was like, this is brilliant. This is an artist really challenging his audience. That's what artists are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He was really pushing us in a way that he had never done before. And that's what great artists do. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm what was it like what was it like for you for you guys in, in your experience with that show? Go ahead, Big Sex. Well, it's just like he said, the same thing happened as the way you presented it. Cause I don't know if you were there, Willie, in 93 at the Bill Graham Civic on the Act One tour, but it was the same type of thing. The bulk of the people in there didn't know the, the new stuff. You know, so mm-hmm. he comes out with, you know, family name and things like that. People are looking like, well, what's this? I, I don't understand this. And then when people like you and I and Mike, we're like, yeah, this is what we want to hear. We want to hear the new stuff. We want to see what he's doing. We want to be challenged. And then for the second portion, you know, it's Kiss and Blue Corvette and, and the chaos erupts. But it's like, the first half he's like, look, I want you to see where I am right now. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where I, my, my headspace is. We'll get to the to stuff you guys know in a minute. But this is where I am right now. When, and when he got through that, you know, I was like, this is great. I loved it. I loved it. I like being faced with new music and challenge like that. And like you said, I think it's an artist's responsibility to do that. To, you know, not necessarily educate, but to definitely make your, your audience think more and look outside the box. And that's what he did with this album. Yeah, when I, I saw that show, then you know, again, this was when they had the music club was popping where you got the you know yeah the sound check and all that so i had already seen that and they was like yeah. you can sit in those same seats before the show starts i was front stage so for <laughs> us we was on our feet what? it was yeah i i'll talk about it another time but it was that was i was already done so i was like when that show came on 
having like I didn't even I couldn't tell you what they was saying behind me because I, I didn't turn around. I was we was all in it to win it. Uh, he shut it down, um, but I knew there were yeah. Was there like an intermission in that show or something? Oh yes, I do remember yeah, hearing really people in the lobby like, oh, I didn't know that song." Or, and he was like, "I'm not playing that and that." And I but I was with it. I was like, "Hell yeah, that's right." <laughs> that's why you come exactly. to the show. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I loved it. But yeah, that album. Like I said, man, that was to me one of his greatest albums because yeah. it was different. The music was so like spectacular. Like he just he raised the bar for himself on that album, man. It was just like ah, he killed that. So yeah, Rainbow Children. I, I always tell people, man, go check that out. I, I don't be like uh, you ain't ready for it. No, you ain't supposed to be ready for it. You're not supposed to be ready for no Prince. It's supposed to no. be some shit that's over your head and you have to get ready. You know what I'm saying? He's supposed to be in front of you and that album is probably going to be in front of expectations. And I like, you just got to mm. just sit down. I always say, just sit down, you know, maybe get you a drink, turn the lights off. Because the way that album starts, man, it's just so like mm. mesmerizing. It just gets you right. Right. I, I just like this. Yeah. I was like, this motherfucker's in church. I could just see like some weird, funky ass, sweating church, and they just getting into the to the word. Just I was like, ah. So to me, it's just incredible, man. Yeah, not to mention the story and also the musicianship on there. We got to shout out John Blackwell. Yeah, His drumming on there is incredible. Yeah, incredible. He was such a genius on those drums, and it really comes out on that album. And um, yeah. And, and I would say... I think, think Rhonda plays on there as well. Rhonda, yeah. It's just brilliant. And the, to me, you know, that album, I always put them back to back because they're so close musically, is the uh, Expectation uh, mm -hmm. project, man. To me, that's just the... Like, you listen to Rainbow Children, take a second, and then go put on Expectation. Man, high watermark like this. It's just to me, it's just an ill ass album, man. Musically, like, it's like man, who's, he'd be like this Prince. It's like, yeah, man. Boy, like, damn, okay. Because <sighs> it's just, it's just sounds some other shit to me. For for me, that's like, and I, this may sound crazy, but and I think I said this before. If he would have some reason, he had to just stop. Just said, I'm done for the game, and he stopped at that point. I'd be straight. Like, I mean, not not to say none of the other stuff is not banging, but to me, that was just like, I don't. For me. That was another peak, and I don't personally, from my own opinion, don't feel like he he rose above that peak. And that's not I'm not dissing none of the other stuff. I'm just saying from my own personal, like that was the to me it was just a whole other level of musicianship. The the, the live shows, the album, it was it, it was he was on some other stuff, man. Without a doubt. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listen, before we get out of here, where can they get more information about the Purple Playground? Yeah, so you can um, actually, again, big shout out to Heidi. She just uh, completed revamping our website. Okay. Literally just last night, she sent me a text like, Heidi, crazy. Here's a new website. I'm like, what? You just <laughs> built a new website? <laughs> so, um, yeah, purpleplayground.org purpleplayground.org you can get all the information about um, our mission um, our programming and just um, stay tuned to that for 
um, information for the next academy. And uh, some adults have been asking me, are we going to do something for the adults? I'm working on that. Uh, I would love to get together and, and do some teaching with adults as well as the children. So stay tuned for that as well. All right. And I imagine, I'm not, I haven't pulled it up, but we, and I like to keep it funky. So we can go on there and donate so we can really get popping so that we can get actual tangible resources to do stuff. Because I know everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about this. I like to have tangible resources. So is there a way, opportunity where I can go on there and actually put down some bread to help the cause? Is that on the site? Oh, absolutely. As soon okay. as you click on the site, the first thing you see is donate. So, <laughs> because we, we need money, and not money, we just need money to give us the energy and, again, like you said, the resources to produce yep. quality work for the kids. That, you know, that's what it's about. You don't get in. I don't know no teacher that got rich being a teacher. You know, I'm like, I'm a poor, I'm a poor righteous teacher. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a poor righteous teacher, y'all. So yeah. support us so that I can provide quality programming for the kids and I can, um, again, use what God has given me to uphold the legacy. And, um, and again, Michael Dean, thank you so much, man, for, again, for having this platform. You don't even realize, my brother, like I said, oh, I do. college students, we're we going to be listening. They're going to be having to listen to this for homework in 50 oh. years. Watch. Well, let me so, get one of these college professors. Check shit. I, I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, nah, it's all for the love, man. Um, big Sexy, where people can find you online. Oh, man, as usual, I'm over running around in Twitter under WSE Mark <clears throat> on Instagram. Oh, yes, I'm on Instagram under WSE Mark as well and Facebook under Mark Wiggins. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can check us out at podcastjuice.net. If you haven't and if you can, please become a Patreon. Check out our Patreon page. It'll be on the show notes of this episode. We can always use the support to keep this thing rolling. My name is Michael Dean. Yo, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.